Welcome everyone, live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy Live. My name is Georgia and my co-hosts today are Jack, Emma and Kayla. Our special guest today is Poppy Terbiak, team leader of the Community Gardens. Hi, Poppy. Hello. Welcome to the show. So you work at cultiv- you work to cultivate a community here in the city. Sorry. <laughs> what is cultivating community all about? Well, Cultivating Community is a not-for-profit organisation. We've been going for over 25 years uh, and our main thing that we're about is supporting public housing tenants uh, to manage and run community gardens that are on public housing estates. So we're funded by the state government to do that. But that's kind of what we do. But what one of the things that actually happens is we have uh, amazing social impact uh, by connecting people uh, and helping people to feel like they're part of a community uh, through activities like gardening and even cooking as well. So we really do our name the, of our organisation, Cultivating Community, is uh, quite apt. <laughs> Hi, my name is Vajek. Nice to meet you, Vajek. Cultivating Community works with a lot of people who have recently arrived in Melbourne. How does it help these people? Yeah, that's a really great question. So um, one of the things that um, having a garden plot in a community garden can really help people do is connect to the culture that they have left, the country that they have left. Uh, A lot of people may not have willingly left their country. A lot of people may have made the decision to leave. But uh, what having a community garden plot can do is help people to uh, find Uh, that connection back to the place that they have left. So, um, and it also not only helps them in that respect, but it can also help them to make new friends and build relationships within the new community that they've arrived in. So, um, yeah, gardening is, you know, a great leveller like that because it's it's everyone is just out there to enjoy being in the sun, getting their hands dirty uh, and things like that. So, but what can be fantastic is people can really learn about each other, build tolerance and build understanding um, through just being in the garden together. Hi, my name's Mm. Emma. Hi, Emma. Hi. um, Mm -hmm. I was wondering what type of gardening do you do? Do you grow like certain types of crops or is it just like flowers? No, so our focus really is on people can grow what they like. We do have a few rules and guidelines about not growing trees, permanent shrubs, shrubs, uh, invasive or environmental weeds. Um, But typically people grow vegetables and herbs um, and food that reflects what they want to eat and what uh, helps them relate to their culture. Uh, And also a lot of – there are definitely gardeners that enjoy growing flowers as well, which, um, you know, other gardeners sometimes will say, oh, why aren't you growing tomatoes? You could do that. But some people just love having flowers. So it's a real expression and it's – Gardening is very creative, so people can really um, express themselves creatively through how they um, plant and cultivate their garden. Other than gardening mm-hmm. and doing all this sort of stuff, what other ways does cultivating community help great make 
great communities? Yeah, that's a, another. God, so many great questions here. I'm loving this. You're really getting me to think first thing in the morning. <laughs> um, we have a variety of ways we do that. So we've also got some great cooking programs that we do. Um, we do things like an after-school cooking program, which is uh, again on the housing estates, um, and that brings together um, kids that live on the estates and help them to um, learn some basic cooking skills. Um, we also have a high-rise bakery, uh, which is we have a wood-fired oven that's in our Fitzroy community garden. So very close to here. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that garden. It's just at the base of the Napier Street public housing tower. So we've got a wood-fired oven there. Um, we have run a program there where we have um, a couple of staff and we have people volunteer. Um, they come, they light the oven, um, they bake bread. People bring different kinds of bread. So people from uh, a Turkish background, for example, might bring their bread. People from uh, an Ethiopian background might bring a bread that they like to cook and everyone uses the oven. So that's another um, fantastic way um, that's cultivating communities, able to help communities connect through cooking as well as gardening. That's amazing. And with the foods that and you delicious. cook. And delicious. Oh, I could, <laughs> I could think so. Um, with the foods that you do make, when you make them, do you take them to any type of housings for them to have to eat or is it just to help for yourselves? No, no, no. It's more about sharing together and having a meal where people share and come together rather than having a product that you take away. Yeah. So like I, I sort of alluded to it in, in the first question is that our real impact is about we use gardening and cooking as, as a vehicle for social connection. Yeah, yeah. So the output, it actually doesn't matter how many loaves of bread we have. What's important is that people are coming together um, and sharing each other's company and building strength in our community that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, hi, my name is Kayla. Hi, Kayla. Um, what do you think it is about food that brings the community together? Well, we all have to do it. <laughs> Don't we? Yeah. we all have to eat. I love eating and um, I love trying new things. And, yeah, I think – um, that thing about, you know, food represents you. Like you think about what's your favourite food. It might be pizza or it might be dumplings or it might be a curry, but it, it feels like you um, when you, you know what you love. So I think um, there's that commonality with food that we all have to do it. And, you know, I think um, it's just we don't – we have to do it. So um, – and – Eating is one of life's great sensory pleasures, you know, when you um, can not only sustain yourself and nurture your body by eating good, healthy, seasonal food, but then also sharing a meal. Um, as you know, uh, I hope that you all get to share meals regularly with your family and friends. You know, it's a wonderful life-sustaining experience. I mean... I, I'm not, you know, an expert in like medical things, but I'm sure the act of coming together and sharing the food is just so good for people's well-being. Um, you know, I remember in COVID and the lockdown, that was something a lot of people that were living by themselves were really missing is they weren't able to come together and the simple act of sharing a meal, whether it's a toasted sandwich or a, you know, Deagle Station huge thing, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to sit and share food with people So um, that we have to do. So that's what yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> um, so 
What's your favourite food to like? Oh make? my god, to make or grow? Um, either way. Okay. Wow. I love making a curry. I really oh, enjoy that's yeah, so yum. Indian yeah. cooking Indian foods um, because they have beautiful um, vegetables, and I'm not a vegetarian, uh, and beautiful meat dishes and slow cooking things, and they have lots of pickles and lots of little things you can add and build to suit your own palate. Um, but I love. I love all food. I'm a, <laughs> I really I'm into food. Um, to grow, I love having leafy greens in my garden. I find that just amazing, especially in winter. Like I love, um, you know, having a big bowl of soup and then a nice big salad at the end. Um, so leafy greens. And I also really love growing a carrot because I just love – yeah, you never know what it's going to be underneath <laughs> and you sort of go, oh, is it going to be a good one? And then you pull it up and you're like, oh, it's a perfect carrot. So there's something about yeah. growing carrots that really feels great. So it's yeah. incredible, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you are just tuning in, you're listening to V Like Her Radio on um, Academy Live, live from the Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Georgia and my co-hosts today are Vijek, Emma and Kayla. And our special guest today is Poppy Terbiak. You mentioned before about the impact on COVID. I was wondering with the with COVID happening 2022 to 2020, 20, oh, my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. Um, yeah, worked it out. <laughs> um, what kind of impact did it have on the activities that you do there? Yeah, it did. It had a huge impact. So because we're state government funded, our gardens are viewed in a quite a – I'll use the word bureaucratic. They're, they're viewed as an amenity and because they they shut all the community amenities down, they actually asked us to lock all of our 20 community gardens across inner Melbourne, which was hugely distressing for, you know, we've got over 820 people in our program that access the gardens and use it as a way of not only accessing fresh food but coming together um, and so it was it was really difficult. So we had to lock the gardens and then our staff would organise uh, times when we would open the garden and the the premise of that was that they could be people could come for 15 minutes and and harvest only and they weren't allowed to you know weed or water. Well that was just absolutely absurd to expect people to come to their garden and not tend to it and, you know, for us to have to uh, try and police that, you know, and say, well, you have to stop watering your garden. It just, it, it wasn't right. So we, we were a bit lax with that, but we had to be very careful because obviously, you know, it was, it was a time of a lot of unknowns. People didn't know and people were worried. So, um, but we did advocate very strongly. Uh, I think it was about the third or fourth lockdown um, because the gardens had become uh, – they weren't being maintained. Uh, they were getting very overgrown. Um, it was – we could see that we were going to have this huge amount of work for us to do. So um, we did advocate very strongly that uh, they needed to be treated as an essential service, an essential place to visit. And I'm not sure if you remember but that you were allowed to go to the supermarket for 15 minutes. So um, my CEO, Rob Reese actually advocated very strongly and was successful in um, saying people need to be able to go to their garden as an essential service to access their food. And so what the, from the fourth lockdown, um, we were able to take the locks off the gardens uh, and let people have access to them through that. So, and you know, 
people did the right thing, you know. No one wanted yeah. to get COVID. People weren't mingling and hanging around. People just wanted to do their garden. So it did have a big impact but we were able to, um, you know, really strengthen our position and strengthen what how important the gardens are for people and really advocate for those people, um, you know, unfortunately didn't have a voice at that time. With the lockdowns, mm. what ways did you try to solve um, from not being able to enter the gardens? Did you guys try to do like Zoom meetings where you had little like pot plants and you grew yeah. <laughs> like fruits, vegetables in their own gardens? We tried. Uh, we did We did try those kind of things. We did a lot of sort of internal program work at that time. One of the things – I know a lot of us all moved to Zoom and it was a remarkable time in that, you know, there was a time when people did not use things like Zoom or video conferencing, whereas yeah, now yeah. it's just so normal. Um, but one of the things we found with our with public housing tenants that's, you know, another thing that really was highlighted is that not all of them have equal access to the internet. Not all of them had a laptop and a computer. Um, so digital literacy was another um, factor that came into play. So we couldn't just assume that everyone had high-speed internet, a laptop and the ability to upload Zoom and make it work. So that wasn't um, as clean a sort of pivot as you might have imagined. Um, we did really try with a couple of gardens um, and we did, um, you know, we sent out text messages and letters to say, hey, this is what's happening and updating people. That was one thing that we developed really well actually in that time was um, sending text messages, yeah. What led you to work with Cultivating Communities? Oh, well, I started out my life, my career as a horticulturalist. So um, when I finished school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I had a, you know, a couple of years of just, you know, working odd jobs here and there and was a bit, I was a bit lost. And um, my friend sat me down and said, you know, what do you want to do? And do you want to work with people? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And the thing that got me was like, do you want to work indoors or outdoors? And I said, oh, I'd really like to work outdoors. And um, and yeah, we sort of brainstormed and got to, why don't you try and get a job at a nursery or something like that? And so um, I sort of got an entry level job at a wholesale nursery, which is you know growing plants to sell for retail. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I really liked working outdoors. Uh, I really liked working with my body and I really liked learning about plants because I knew nothing when I started. Like I didn't come from a strong um, food growing family. Um, my nana was uh, grew food but she immigrated from Russia um, and then my parents uh, were of the generation where the supermarket sprung up and convenience and they didn't have a garden or grow food because it was seen as a step up to not do that. So um, I knew nothing but I really enjoyed learning and asking questions and then that thing about realising that there was so many people around me that already knew about the difference between an oak tree and a rose because I was literally had no <laughs> idea. Um, yeah, so I started from there really, just a, a desire to work outdoors, a desire to use my body and then then the learning really was like, oh, this is really interesting. Do yeah. you feel that you've got more room for improvement as well? Oh, always. Yeah. Never ends, never ends the journey of life and learning and improving yourself and um, being humble. 
Um, yeah, so, I mean, my role has changed a lot now. I, Georgia mentioned at the start that my role now at CC or Cultivating Communities as a team leader. So I'm not out in the gardens as much as I like. I'm um, running the program and supporting um, the staff uh, to run the program in the hands-on operational level and I'm, you know, just slightly at a different level now. Um, so, yeah, one of the things I've been learning a lot about is leadership, um, leading people through change. Um, some of my professional development has been um, based on that um, and it's, you know, it's it's instinctive but there's still definitely a lot that you need to learn and refine yeah. and improve yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are there any women in particular who have inspired you on your life's journey? Yeah, that's a oh God, such a good question. <laughs> you know, I think of I can't. Um, a lot of people might have a similar answer, but I have to say, my mum, my mum, yeah. my mum has passed away. She passed away uh, in twenty nineteen, uh, but she uh, didn't get a great education. Uh, and she was born in the 50s and it was a typical time then for women to not really have their own career, to get married young and start having babies, which is what she did. And But as soon as um, us kids were old enough, my mum um, educated herself. She went to TAFE at night um, and, uh, and then went on and did uh, a degree part-time in community services she got an entry-level position um you know as by then not a, a mature woman but an older woman um in you know maybe her late 30s which I know is bizarre for you but that is career-wise getting older and um and she worked her way up you know she worked her way up to being um a manager um she was highly respected and she was still um learning so much still and was very um still very excited to learn and, and what she could um, still achieve in her career, uh, even though she was in her 60s. Um, and, yeah, the the more the older I get and the more I'm moving through my career, the more, I mean, I'm, obviously I really miss my mum, but it, it I'm, I become more and more impressed and, um, and inspired by that journey that she took and did off her own back. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to say to young women who would like might want to enter cultivating communities and do what you do maybe? Yeah. Um, you know, be back yourself. <laughs> be bold. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to um, reach out. Don't be afraid to um, to to offer yourself you know, to get experience. So doing internships and coming and doing volunteering is a great way um, to get involved in organisations. I know Cultivating Community, you know, we do have a few people that have come through volunteer and internship pathways because once a not-for-profit, you know, has someone in that we can see has great um great abilities and a great potential you know we want to keep them as part of our little family so um yeah if you feel like something feels like a, a passion a desire or you can see yourself fitting in or contributing some way back yourself 100% trust your instinct if it feels right um really go for it yeah with your involvement with cultivating community community 
what has that taught you about people and communities all around Melbourne, like when you see them? Yeah, great question. Uh, it's well, working with people uh, from public housing has was something that I didn't have any experience in. I didn't grow up in public housing. Um, I mean, the first thing that really comes to mind is it's really taught me that I have come from a very a privileged background um, and to always be aware of my privilege um, and that um, and that so there's that. And then I think uh, also just um, there's so much diversity and amazing people out there that uh, are able to contribute to their communities. You know, I have a paid position and I'm very fortunate, but there's people out there that just work and contribute um, and it's not about money, it's about it's about being part of something. So I think just um, to answer that, it would be just about the strength of community and doing things, mm-hmm. doing things willingly. Yeah. yeah. Looking back at your younger self, would you imagine her thinking you would be where you are today or did you have a completely different mindset of where, what pathway you wanted to go? No, no, I want to be a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a musician and I'm still a musician. Um, I still play in a band but I was what like, instrument? Oh, I'm a guitarist and oh, a bass wow. player. Yeah, so I, um, I was for sure I was going to be touring the world <laughs> and, um, you know, that was, that was my plans. Um, and, you know, I would still always encourage people to have um, – you know, uh, creative pursuits, and I, I love um, love music. But um, that was kind of my, you know, singing in the in the mirror <laughs> and the hairbrush and playing the tennis racket and oh. uh, all of that. So no, I wasn't. I didn't really have a clear vision of that. I wasn't. That wasn't what I was like. It took me till I was a bit older um, to sort of form um, a really uh, clear. Um, direction of where I want to go and also to this is when you mentioned before about what advice would you give like that backing yourself and trusting your instinct it it took me a little bit of time to really trust that in myself and so that's why that's the advice I give is like trust yourself from the from right this very second yeah it's so important because um you know yourself and you know um when something feels really right and you know when something doesn't feel right so you've got to really You've only got yourself in that sense, so you've got to use that. So um, I've probably gone off topic for No, that, no, no, it's yeah. all good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So is there anything else that you do at Cultivating Community that, you know, helps broaden the community and makes it a bigger community kind of thing? Yeah, broadening's a good one. I mean, I think... Um, one of the things we're really focused on at the moment is trying to improve the gardeners, um, the people that have a garden plot in our program, giving them more agency, um, giving them more opportunities for decision-making about things that affect them. Um, In the past our program has been run, you know, with us, the cultivating community staff saying we'll do this and then we'll do this and then we'll do that and things can sometimes just happen 
to people in the garden and they don't really get a say. So it's it's an interesting um, mindset that we're trying, a framework that we're trying to develop and it's improving the spectrum of participation. So um, meaning that rather than just having something happen to you, you actually are moving up and participating more and actually making some decisions or feeling like you have an opportunity to make decisions if you want them, um, if you wanted to, to about what's happening in this space. So that's something that CC is, um, we're really moving towards and it's a different mindset for us and it's, you know, it's not as easy sometimes because you're going, let's set this out there and and get other people involved and sometimes we might hear things that we go we don't know if we want to do things that way but um I think it's really important um that our program is run with much more led by people that are actually in the program not just um the staff that are running it so that's I'm not sure if that's quite on topic but I feel like that's just a really key area that's yeah. um for the next strategic direction for CC in the next next few years yeah mm. with cultivating communities where do you see yourself in the near future or maybe in five years as a community would you have maybe just stayed the same a bit of improvements or would you like to see yourselves more around Victoria or maybe even outside more states yeah great question um Probably not more states. So we we have limitations with how much money yeah. we receive um, and we're always looking at grants and other ways that we can get more money into the organisation. Our organisation has grown um, in how much funding we receive and unfortunately it is not unfortunately, practically it is about numbers sometimes. You know, yeah. you can only have so many people working with how much money you get. Um, so um, we do see ourselves potentially reaching out to more regional spaces. Yeah. Um, there's logistical issues in that though as well. Uh, it's, you know, setting something up in Castlemaine sounds great, but, you know, we've been so long embedded in inner Melbourne, you know, what could we potentially, what can we do that's, to strengthen what we're doing here. So um, things like uh, we would really like to create um, stronger employment pathways for people with a lived experience of public housing. Um, so that's, you know, creating obviously jobs and opportunities, training for people that might not uh, have that in uh, other ways. And we've also um, one thing we've been working on for the last year is we've got a great program called Hear Me, See Me, Employ Me and we've partnered with Victorian College of the Deaf um, and typically uh, students that finish at the, the College of the Deaf don't always have great employment pathways to go on from when they finish their year 12. Um, so we've, um, we've just uh, secured uh, a rooftop farm out in Burwood and at that farm we're um, training and uh, deaf students to learn about horticulture uh, and how to do some urban agriculture. Uh, and what's also happening from that is that through that funding we're able to uh, employ those students uh, as scholars. At a, it's an entry-level position uh, but it's giving them some real-life work experience in coming and working for CC um, and learning about things that uh, those students might not have had opportunity to do. So it's not just um, learning um, 
about the the job, which might be wheelbarrowing some soil. It's about job readiness. So it's about turning up on time, um, making sure you've bought your lunch, um, ensuring that you do your timesheet. So work readiness alongside the work skills as well. So that's a really huge area that cultivating communities excited uh, to be involved in. And it's definitely alongside our community gardens, um, the community gardens program. And I think the two programs are going to work really closely together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Poppy. It's Thank been you. a great pleasure talking to you. Oh, you too. Thanks, Thank everybody. You so much for Thanks for on. having me. Live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia. You have been listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy Live. My name is Georgia and my co-hosts today were Vijek, Emma and Kayla. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you found the information useful. Until next time, have a great day. <laughs>